0: We've been in the book of Mark for the last several months, and uh, today we're going to continue in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, starting in verses 14 to 29, and uh, today we're going to talk about the power of Jesus, the power of Jesus. Today as we come together, we we celebrate this power of giving, this power of loving someone that we don't even know as we give these boxes to children all over the world we're trusting that our love a little demonstration of our love and our giving will make an eternal difference i have a f- friend or coworker many years ago that his wife was korean he was um during the vietnam war met her in south korea and and uh, started dating her married her and brought her over to the u.s and uh he was at the age of retirement, and so it had been, she'd been here for 30 years or so. And uh, we talked about, one year we were talking about this Operation Christmas Child and, and what it is, and uh, he just kind of smiled. And he said, you know, my wife, when she was a little child in, in South Korea, got one of those little shoeboxes. And it was 40 years ago, but she still to this day talks about how much those little presents that were in there meant to her. Whether it was the pencils or the scissors or whatever, back then you were allowed to send candy and, and other stuff. And so whatever it was that was sent to her, she received that, and there was this joy that she had. And, and 40-some years later, she still remembered those gifts that were given to her from somebody in the U.S. that didn't even know her, had never met her, didn't even know her name. And yet they, they showed this love of Christ with her. And so it makes a, a difference in the life of these children she actually was involved and very active in a, the Korean church there in Columbus because of what Christ did in her life as a, at a young age. That maybe some child in the other part of the world will realize that they matter. We give these gifts so that they understand somebody cares, somebody knows, somebody understands that I may be without and are willing to give and to share that, that they are not forgotten or without hope. So we give today and we are thankful. We send and we show our love. Why? Why do we we show our love? Why do we talk about this power of Jesus? Why do we show up every Sunday, week after week, to hear the message, to sing the songs, to give of our tithes and offerings, to give of some small gifts, to, to, to share with others? Why do we do that? When you think about it, we're a pretty peculiar breed, right? As a follower of Christ, there's something different about us. There's something different that causes us to care about others who are less fortunate. There's something about this Jesus that changes how we act. Why do we sing? Why are we in awe of our Savior? Why do we trust him? Why do we believe Because of this power of Jesus, this power to love the unlovable. Was there a time in your life where you felt unlovable and all of a sudden Christ came along and and now you feel loved? You understand this love, this love that makes no sense. And yet here it is in your life overpowering you and overwhelming you with this incredible love from God. Jesus has this power to rebuild that broken relationship between us and our Father. The power to walk without sin. He was sinless and, and lived this life, an example before us or for us. Jesus has the power to heal, to save, and to give peace. So why? Why, why do we show up every week? I looked at Shardell yesterday and I said, you know, I have a really weird job. <laughs> if you think about it, I have a job that Every week I'm supposed to come up with a message that will in, encourage you, challenge you, and draw you closer to God and show you what it means to have a relationship with him, and that's my calling. And every week I have to pray and ask and seek God, what is it that you want me to say today that's going to make a difference and an impact in their life? And for some reason, you keep showing back up. <laughs> and I looked at Shardell and I said, that's just weird. That's weird. Dr. Brown, Ellen, you ever feel that way? I mean, we, we have the weirdest job ever. We stand up and tell you about a God you cannot see, a God you cannot feel, and yet you do see him, and yet you do feel him. And we tell you about him, and then as brothers and sisters in Christ, we share that love with one another, and amazing things happen. And for the last 2,000 years, lives have been changed and, and, and totally, radically saved because of Jesus. And we get together every week to talk about Jesus. Isn't that crazy? You set aside your Sunday mornings, you get out of bed, you come here, all because of the power of one man named Jesus Christ, who has this incredible love for us that changed everything. Isn't that nuts? That's nuts. And maybe I'm the only one who sees it that way, but I just look and say, wow, this is incredible. So why, why, do we, why do we do it? Because of his incredible love for us. Because Jesus is this light that shines in the darkness. Let me ask you this question. What would happen in the world that we live in If Jesus was removed from the equation, if God was taken out of the earth, if the Holy Spirit was removed, there was no influence of God, there was no love of God, there was no Jesus salvation, there was no Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, and directing us. What if we took God completely out of the equation in the world that we live in? What would it look like? Be a hot mess. mess. (laughs) In 2019 words, it would be a hot mess. What would we do? We get frustrated now because of the evil. We get frustrated now because of the hate and the anger. We get frustrated now because of the lack of love. But can you imagine if love itself was taken out? The Bible says that God is love. If we remove love completely from the equation... How terrible would the world be that we live in? So, isn't that why we do what we do? To make sure that love is represented? To make sure the love of Christ that lives in us and dwells in us is then shared with a, a lost and dying world a, that is sitting around you needing to hear about this love? Isn't that why we do what we do? In today's passage, Jesus has just come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. His disciples, we talked about this last week, were with him, three of them. Peter, James, and John were with him, and they didn't know what to do. they just seen Jesus they had hung out with for about three years or so. They'd hung out with him, and now all of a sudden, as they go up to this mountain, he turns brilliant white. He is transformed or transfigured similar to the day when Moses was up on the mountain with God, and God shattered himself to keep from, from killing Moses, and Jesus... Even though I don't believe that all of his deity or Godhead was shown, enough of it was shown that it just totally blew his disciples away. And now they come back down the mountain, and similar to when Moses came off the mountain, here's a group of people arguing with the disciples about something. And Jesus says, what is going on? That's where we start today in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 says this. And when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? he asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth. And becomes rigid, and I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse nineteen, Jesus says, "You unbelieving generation!" He replies, "How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you?" Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him, and when the spirit saw when the spirit saw it was Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion, and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if but if you can do anything, <laughs> isn't that a loaded question to ask the God of the universe? <laughs> Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Verse 23: If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible. For one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. And Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he, rep- and he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And other translations say by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look in your word today and we continue in the book of Mark, we see this incredible story that shows us the power of Jesus. And also shows us our lack of faith. Jesus, I can't wrap my head around the kind of faith that it takes to do some of the things that I see in Scripture. But I can wrap my head around a God who loves us so much that he can do these things. So, Father, if we have any unbelief in us, would you help us to replace that with belief? Would you increase our faith and grow it here today? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First thing I see when I look at this passage is Jesus asked this question How long shall we be an unbelieving generation? He asked them, How long or how long shall I be with you, you unbelieving generation? And I twisted that question to ask 2,000 years later How long shall we be an unbelieving generation? How long will our neighbors and friends and family reject Christ and forget Christ and not believe in Christ? How long will us as a church sometimes in our lack of faith not believe what God is capable of and believe what God can do? How long will we be part of a world that rejects him and refuses to believe in him and put their power or trust in him? How long shall we be an unbelieving generation? For 2,000 years, There have been thousands, millions, even billions who believe, who have put their hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ over the years as it's added up. There's been hundreds and thousands, millions, and now today billions, who have put their hope and put their trust in Jesus Christ, and yet there are hundreds and thousands and millions and billions who have not believed, who have rejected him. And Jesus asks the question, how long shall I be with you, knowing that he was going to die soon? How long before you believe that I am the Messiah? Guys, I, I have shown you miracle after miracle, sign after sign. I have told you the truth. You have seen it with your own eyes. He's speaking specifically, I believe, to the Jewish people at this time. And he says to them, how long before you believe that I am the Messiah? You unbelieving generation?" And yet 2,000 years later, as Gentiles who have been grafted into the body of Christ, the question is asked, how long shall we not believe? So why do we do what we do? Because there's people around us who still don't believe. There's people around us who still don't understand, and still don't feel the love of Christ. And so we share this incredible love with them. But we, We as members of the body of Christ, we who have followed Christ, we who believe, we follow him. We believe so we give. We believe so we show up week after week. We believe so we stand up for the broken. We believe so we fight for human trafficking to stop it. We believe so we fight to stop drugs and alcohol. We believe so we pray. We believe in the hope of salvation. We believe in eternal life. We believe in the power of Jesus. That's why we show up. Pastor Jim, if you only understood what he did in my life and it changed my life, I get it. I get it. If you look to the person at your left and turn and look to the person at your right, every one of them is somebody that has a story about what God has done in their life. And so we believe because of who he is and what he's done. Isn't that crazy? How long will we be an unbelieving generation? Our hope and prayer is that weekly, daily, we'll make an impact in someone's life. I was talking to a guy in the hospital the other day, a gentleman that I <clears throat> have known for five years, a gentleman that I have eaten with weekly, that we've hung out with, and, uh, and I'm not one, Well, I guess you should ask Shardell, I was going to say I'm not one of those pushy pastors, but maybe I am one of those pushy pastors. I, 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 don't, I don't try to just beat someone over the head with the Bible and, and just kind of, I, I don't try to force salvation, I don't. I, I just kind of try to love them and show up and, and answer those questions when they're asked I have found out that if I wait for them to ask the question, that I've got someone who wants to hear the answer. I found out that if I preach at them and, and try and get them to, to, to buy into to what I'm sharing, they may not necessarily get it, and they may turn me off and may reject me to where I can't even share anymore. So I just try to show up and love them and encourage them and just hang out with them and, and, and whatever until they ask the question. And so we're sitting in the hospital the other day, and he says, hey, uh, talk to me about this baptism thing. I can't find my baptism records, and I, I know I went to church as a child, and, and, uh, and we've been asking him to come to church for a while, you know, and we just, come on, come in. And he's like, yeah, no, no. We haven't offered him a hard hat so in case the, the roof fell in when he walked in, that he would be okay, you know. I mean, just, <laughs> just anything to encourage him to, to come. And, and he looked at me and he said, I, I just I want to know more about, about God. I want to know more about Jesus. And so we just shared. I just sat there and talked to him, and, and he said, I have a hard time understanding. And I said, let me ask you a question. What can your daughter do that's so bad that you won't forgive her? And he's got an incredible love for his family, incredible, loving guy. He said, well, nothing. That's God. When he looks at you, he sees you, and there's nothing you can do that he won't forgive you. And Jesus paid that price so that you can be forgiven. And so we went through and talked about that. And and I told him, I said, until I became a father, I had a hard time understanding God and understanding his incredible love. I believed it, had put my trust and faith in it, even preached it. But once I had children, it changed everything. Because what can that child do that you would reject that child? Nothing. And that's our Heavenly Father. He loves you. And, and wants to build that relationship. And so as I shared that and we talked about those things, um, I said, hey, I, I've got a couple Bibles I'll bring you in. He said, yeah, I want to read. I want to read some more. And so I took him over a couple Bibles. One that's a new believer's Bible. is as easy to understand as anything I can find. And, and then another, I gave him uh, one of Emma's Bibles, the, one of the blue Bibles in the pew. And I said, this is, this is what it's all about. You know, in that moment, this unbelieving generation... There comes a moment when someone finally asks the question, who is God? And what do I do with him? And you get that moment, that opportunity to just share this incredible love of Christ. Second thing I see in this passage, it says, I believe Jesus helped me overcome my unbelief. I believe, but Jesus helped me overcome my unbelief. This man brought his son to Jesus. He obviously believed that Jesus could heal him. And nobody else could do anything for his son. He's been this way since he was a little child. He believes, and so he brings his child to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and because remember, he said, if you can. Now Jesus scratched his head a little bit. You brought your son to me because you believe that I can do it, but then your words to me are, if you can, <laughs> would you have pity on us? If you can? Jesus says, "For anyone who believes, it can be done. And the man immediately, Jesus, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You ever, you ever felt that way at times? There are times where I have the most incredible faith that I would just I would just run into a wall for Christ. I would just I would, we're going to flatten those mountains, we're going to make them straight, we're going to build up those valleys. I got this. And then there are other times that I'm in a corner cowing like a little child crying, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So in all of us somewhere there's that little maybe unbelief that's just kind of hiding there in the, in the crevices of our heart. And this man says, Jesus, I believe Man, if there's anything in my life, if there's some area that's causing me not to believe, would you just, would you help me overcome it? Because Jesus, I I want my son healed. And Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Isn't that incredible? goes on, and we'll close with this last thing. Jesus says to his disciples, they ask him the question, and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? If you remember back a few chapters, he had sent them out two by two, and they went village to village, and they were healing and, and doing incredible signs, and, and, and it was amazing. They came back so excited about what God was doing. But then here's this man, this young boy, I mean, that they were unable to heal. And they look at Jesus, and they said, Jesus, I don't understand. What is going on? And he says to them, number three, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. This translation doesn't have it, but many translations add the word and fasting. There's something special about committing yourself to this, this idea of, of praying over and over. If you look on the back of your bulletin, there's uh, the reading outline for the, this week in Scripture. But Sharon has a quote there from Robert Morris, I believe, and it says that the faucet should be left on, talking about our prayer life. And it says that we should be repeatedly praying and asking God. If we want to see God continue to do things, we need to continue to seek him. And sometimes there's some things that can only come out through prayer and fasting. In other words, Jesus is saying, and this is weird, right? There are different types, different kinds of things that we're going through. For some person, a one-time prayer will take that addiction to alcohol or an addiction to smoking away, and it's gone forever and never to come back. I had a brother that prayed for 15 years that God would take away his addiction to, to tobacco. He dipped God, take this away. And he prayed, and he went to revivals, and he asked, and he sought, and he seeked. And it took 15 years before that addiction was taken away. I don't understand all of it exactly. Dr. Brown could probably answer that much better than I. So ask him afterwards. Ellen, do you have the answer? You can ask Ellen afterwards. I don't necessarily have the answer. I don't know. Why is it that some come out easier than others? Is it this unbelief? He asks something interesting at the beginning of of this passage. He says, how long has the boy been this way? Since he was little. Thrown into fires many times. Tried to throw him in the water many times to try to kill him. Sometimes those things that have been a part of your life so long that it takes longer to get rid of them. Hopefully that's an encouragement to you if you've been praying for quite a while that God would take this away. That right around the corner, hopefully, is your victory. Some things take longer to cast out, to come out. It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting passage. In this passage, the power of Jesus... Causes us to believe, it causes us to follow, it causes us to give, it causes us to come week after week and assemble together as a brothers and sisters of Christ. It's an amazing thing. And how long? Until everyone believes. Well, how long is that? I don't know. The Heavenly Father has appointed a time when that will take place. Jesus doesn't even know, right? We don't know. How long will people continue to not believe? We don't know. But our calling is to love them and to reach out to them and to encourage them, hoping that someday they will believe. I'm going to ask Pam and Amanda to come. Katie, I don't know if you want to join them. As we sing this last hymn. Sir, coming, I... I was reading this passage thinking this week about all of the sickness that's around us. It gets old, doesn't it? If you were the father of that child that was possessed and was being harmed, what wouldn't you do to help that child? How far would you go? Did you go to the Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo Clinic? Did you go to England or Ireland? Would you, would you do whatever it took to, to find help for that child? That's what we're talking about. So desperate that the only answer is Jesus. And this man knew that. And it's that power of Jesus that will change and transform your life. For some of you, it's a sickness or disease. For some of you, it's, it's a sin issue that you're just asking God to take away. Maybe you don't even have that relationship with him yet, and you're wanting him to forgive you and and cleanse you and to make you whole. Today can be that day for you. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And how many would you just say today, Pastor Jim, I have an area in my life that the only way it's going to change is by the power of Jesus. I'm asking you and my brothers and sisters here in this building to be praying for me, that God would overcome that in my life, that I would either be healed or transformed from that. And if that's your heart's cry, would you just raise your hand and say, Brother, Brother Jim, pray for me. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Folks, are you have brothers and sisters sitting around you that just are crying out to Jesus that his power would transform and change their life. Would you just agree with them and pray for them and for that area in your life that you need? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of Jesus to change and transform our lives. Father, for some of us, it's been all of our life that we've been this way, needing and asking you to transform and change us. And Father, it's only through prayer and fasting, through seeking and asking that it comes out. Fathers, brothers and sisters, we join them in agreeing with them and asking for that in their life. And Father, for the times where he looks at us as he did the Apostle Paul and he says, my grace is sufficient. There are times that Jesus' answer may be no, that he's got another plan for your life in that area and there's something that he's doing in that area. And so he's going to say no. But instead of saying just no, he gives you this incredible grace and mercy to get you through what you're going through. Father, for that we ask and pray upon this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.